0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to episode three of our our sad cast of The Missing Vibe. I'm Tyron. Hi, I'm Renee. We're here, brought together by the death of a of a loved one, of a you know, a son, brother, friend, very popular guy. I, I hope that those listening can find a connection as well, if they feel as though they're alone, kind of adrift in a sea of loss that they're not sure how to get out of. We're here today to talk about our experience over the last year about year and some change that it has been since we've lost Tanner, who's who is the vibe that in question that is missing. Talk about, you know, the our experiences, the strategies that have and haven't worked for us, what we want to do and take this going forward.
1: Yep, that's what we're here for.
0: Yep, that's what we're here for, so here we go, (laughs) doing that. For those who have not listened to Episodes 1 and 2 before this, I definitely recommend checking those out. You get to hear stories from Renee, Tanner's mother, who over the last year has overcome just an insurmountable loss, something, you know, no one wishes on anybody. So definitely hear, hear her story, how she fought for justice and now tries to... Fight for Tanner's legacy and episode two. Tanner's cousin, friend, brother, whatever Alabama ass relationship the family's got going (laughs) on.
1: Seriously, it's a little little convoluted.
0: Not not blood cousin, but like a like a big brother. Landon talked about his journey as a young to mid twenty something with a long history of uh, kind of death and loss in his life. And I'm gonna tell you a little about my year now. I'm Taryn. I'm uh one of Tanner's oldest friends. Not related. And I'm not landing like almost related. <laughs> but we've known each other for a long time and I, I consider him as a, a little brother for sure. So
1: Because you're my son CJ, my oldest son CJ is one of your best friends. And so you were kind of stuck with Tanner tagging along sometimes. And <laughs> you, you know, the beauty of this is that you guys are what, how old are you now? Twenty
0: We're 25, yeah, CJ and I. And my little brother, Jaden, and and Tanner, CJ's little brother, are 21 this year. So we're all the same age, the same brotherly dynamics, the same age differences. Two moms. Yeah.
1: Which is a plus for anyone, you know, especially (laughs) me and your mom. But I think before you start giving us your story, Karen, I wanted to... The thing I appreciate the most about the people in Tanner's life, one, most of them are lifelong friends. And as your kids get older, you know, when you're younger, you have to go do stuff with the other family or you have to go do stuff with certain people. But as you guys got older and are getting older, you guys choose to be around each other. And so that makes it even more precious, I think, because, you know, our families do still and did a lot of stuff together. Your mom and dad were amazing. You guys gave, you know, CG and Tanner lots of opportunities to go camping and have fun. And your mom is my boy's second mom. So when you, it's hard to put into a piece what your relationship is with Tanner because there's really nothing out there to describe it. And again, with that being said, there's no support for someone like you in that age group that lost someone that's very important to you but there's no title for that person. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, I it definitely makes sense. I I feel the the same sentiment that you had. I I would refer to you as a second mom. My little brother and I would go spend weekends over at, at CJ and Tanner's place all the time. It'd be like multiple nights a, a month, I felt like would <laughs> be one of us would be at the the other's house or vice versa. I really bad dog allergy when I was a kid. So I kind of didn't mind when you and your husband split up and you weren't living with that big ass dog <laughs> anymore. That's a plus.
1: <laughs> Two pluses. Yeah.
0: Cause I remember, I remember going over to that house to spend the night and I could never hang out there for more than three hours when I was a little kid because then I would break out in hives and I have to come home.
1: That's fun. That was our master yeah. plan, actually.
0: Yeah. That was, to get these fucking. Grubby little kids out. <laughs> yes. Of course, my son befriended the weirdest boy on the baseball team. Yes. At my house.
1: <laughs> yeah. How to get this kid out of here? He's really into karate or whatever you were into. What were you into? You know, the, the, was
0: I into karate back then. I was a,
1: you bonded over baseball. That's how we met you guys in general. Um, but I'm, I digress. You can take it from there because I kind of just stole your. Conversation. Oh,
0: no. Sorry. Okay. We had met in baseball, which exactly to your point. We'd we'd spent just so many weekends together, the four of us. And when we were kids, you know, it was like that. You have to spend time with uh with who you have to spend time with. And it was very big brother, little brother kind of dynamic. You know, I would hang out with CJ because I wanted to. Jane would hang out with Tanner because he wanted to, and then we were all kind of mashed together.
1: <laughs> right. I remember it got to the point where Whenever we'd have slumber parties, it would be all four of you at your house or ours. And then at some point, you and CJ got really annoyed with your little brothers. So we had to like go, you guys are staying at Shelly's house and the older ones are staying with me. You guys could get a break from them (laughs) because they were very much antagonized, antagonized you guys all the time. They were super annoying little brothers, but (laughs) you love them anyway. And I think the beauty of it is that your mom is one of my best friends. So not only were you, Tanner, CJ and Jaden, very close. My One of my best friends is your, mo- is your mom. So it's just a beautiful, intertwined relationship. As an example, you don't have to be blood-related to be family. And you are family. So that's why this loss of Tanner has probably been pretty impactful because I was trying to think what other experience do you have with death? Like close experience. I know you've lost grandparents, but Where's your mind on that?
0: Yeah, it's just that Uh, in the last episode, Landon had talked about the list of people that he had lost even prior to Tanner. And it was pretty long. And it was people who were very close to him in all sorts of ways, you know, he saw it coming with cancer with some people. Some people were just ripped away suddenly like Tanner was. And so I guess there was some context, uh, like, uh, you know, familiar feelings to go back to. Yeah, he, he had spoken for himself in episode two. So if you haven't listened to that, definitely go check it out. I, I was kind of a newbie to, to stuff like that. The only. I, I have a large extended family, but they all live across the country. And so I guess throughout my childhood, and they're all different age ranges as well. So I had constantly been exposed from a very far distance to death, I guess. Great. Great grandparents, great aunts, and and other obscure family members who I had met once when I was, like, nine would pass away throughout my childhood and, like, family, friends, and stuff. And I would hear about it, and I would feel sad just because, like, maybe I met him, I had a fond memory of him or something. It's like, that's sad. They're a nice person. I see how (laughs) other people respond. and But, you know, when, when you're that far away from the person who dies, either distance-wise or, or just emotionally, there would be people who who lived in this state even, who I, you know, friend of a friend or, or you know, co-worker's cousin or something, things like that, is just not the same. You know, do you, have you felt that kind of a difference like that?
1: For me? Yeah. Uh, like you, I really haven't had a lot of loss. You know, my dad died when I was young, but in my mind, you know, your parents are supposed to pass away before you. So I just figured it was like the way it was supposed to be, even though he was only 58 years old. So, you know, I lost grandparents and those types of things you expect down the road. We, like Landon said, we're all going to meet that same fate at some point. You know, we're all going to pass away. So with, uh, Tanner, you know, obviously nothing could have prepared me for that as a parent. I'm still not prepared for that. I'm still not okay. I'm still trying to make sense of it. So in a way we're similar because the most impactful death for me is Tanner. And maybe that is for you too. I mean, I lost Rob, my brother, but again, like you said, I didn't see him every day. I didn't, you know, he was my brother, but they lived in the Springs and this is my son. And this is one of your best friends.
0: Yeah. So it was, it definitely was, was the most impactful by a large margin. I'd say the second, second closest even that was like like a grandma but that was she was in her 70s and she had had like dementia from a stroke that she had had like I think around the time I was born like either a year a couple years before I believe it was and so she was old and you know her mind was ailing and her health you know was deteriorating and so and that was the case with a lot of them and with deaths like that we had talked about last episode anticipatory grief a lot, which I did feel. But it was uh, it also, I don't know, it came with a sense of, like, relief. Almost, because you, you feel as though, like, someone's suffering is coming to an end. I had a, a great aunt who had really bad cancer. And by the end, you know, she was in a hospital bed. She was, like Landon had described with his father, just so drugged up. That like they're not even really themselves anymore. It's not really. You feel like they're they're already gone, kind of. At least how that's sometimes how I felt, especially with a, a family member with with dementia. You know, I'd always ever known her as like my my kind of crazy grandma, which was fun. But
1: I think we all watch, think of her that way.
0: Yeah, everyone knew Tika <laughs> is like yeah, yeah like quite the character. Grandma, which was <laughs> yeah, quite quite the character. And that was all I ever known her. That was like you know what I expect of of grandma Tika. that was my perception of grandma Tika was like literally looney tunes crazy old racist lady <laughs> in puerto rico <laughs> who i would sometimes watch novellas with and would joke around with and <laughs> sometimes mess mess with and it you know but the way other people look at her it it, it would seem they had a very different relationship like i seem the way my parents or other her other many daughters would look at her. It seems like they're mourning a person who's already alive. Right. So I don't know. It it was a different feeling to watch that. Like You feel like that's a person who's already gone and you're just sort of enjoying.
1: The time you have left.
0: What's left. Yeah. The time you have left. So it was extremely different with Tanner. That was my, you know, he's one of my best friends. He was going to be one of the last times I saw him was to ask him to be a groomsman in my wedding. Yeah. I grew up the kid. He was a little brother to me. So Be planning to have him over for a board game party on a Saturday afternoon. Be cleaning my apartment for that, and just get a text like, "Hey, Tanner died in a car accident." Like, what the fuck do you do with that?
1: What did you do with that?
0: I kept scrubbing my oven. I didn't. (laughs) I didn't know how to take it. I was in shock. I thought it was like a joke at first.
1: Yeah, you feel like you're an autopilot. That I think that's when autopilot initially kicks in because, like you said, when I found out that Tanner passed, I was like. Okay, well I'm gonna keep you know gotta go, I gotta go do
0: this. Yeah, you're not you're not quite sure what to, to do with with something like that. And I didn't know where to go with it. Like you said, there's not a lot of resources like that. Especially for preliminary <laughs> prior to someone's death. No one plans for something like this. And if you haven't unfortunately had the experience of it in the first place, you know, someone so young or someone so close to you you don't really know you don't really know what to do with yourself it's like a state of denial you reset to whatever like the most relevant thing you've heard is and and for me it would it was just kids from high school the high school I went to I think like three or four kids have passed away since graduation. They were kids I didn't really know they were like friends of friends maybe someone people kids I had classes with I knew their their names I had spoken to them I know I've spoken to them probably copied one of their homework a few times yeah and like, I, I had heard that they had passed away and one in a car accident on I-25. Just in other similar tragic ways. Kids too young. Just sort of reduced to statistics. And that was kind of what it felt like. Like, oh, I guess he's one of the statistics now. That came with a lot of, like, really existential dread. <laughs> because especially someone Tanner's age and someone who, you know, had, like, pretty open dreams that they... It taught, you had talked about Atlanta, talked about it. Tanner wanted to go to Germany, He was learning guitar. He graduated, he wanted to go to, he's getting started in college. Kid, his whole life ahead of him. I have my whole life ahead of me. Like, I'm basically, he's at that doorstep. I have like a foot halfway in the door. It hasn't touched the floor yet, but like we're at that same point in our lives. And that he had all these hopes and dreams and now they're just like a number on the police record. And it's like, just brought up the question, like, well, what am I doing? what's the point of of that of anything if right you don't, even, you don't even get to be old and go insane before you
1: die no, just like that, you're gone, and that's the yeah you know, I think I don't know for you guys because you're you know you're close to Tanner's age, and that's a whole other mindset because you guys are supposed to live a full life and you're supposed to this isn't supposed to happen to us. This isn't supposed to happen to someone you that you love or you care about. Someone Tanner's age should not be gone. Especially at the hands of someone that was driving drunk and took him in the blink of an eye. That's not how this is supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Such a needless and unpredictable reason. It's not like and it wasn't like any of the deaths I had been more personally connected to in the past. A lot of the ones with family members were like addiction or disease related stuff that I guess we'd kind of known about for a while.
1: Right. It's just like waiting for the yeah, other when shooter to of Tanner, go.
0: You don't think of a drunk driver, <laughs> at least not until now. Right. So that was extremely difficult. I felt like you guys have felt like you go straight into this denial phase. I definitely had gone on autopilot. For a long time, some days I still feel like I am on autopilot. I I definitely buried it in uh, lots of lots of weed.
1: So when you got that call and you kind of were in shock, was Portia, who is your new, you know, you guys aren't even hit your year anniversary. Was she here, or how did that play out?
0: It was her dad's birthday. That's the same day.
1: Oh, good. Okay.
0: Yeah, it was yeah. So we we had uh, I think got together with your dad earlier that weekend and she was just over seeing him saying hi, I think doing some laundries, telling him happy birthday. So I, I had called her, I was just home alone with the dog, cleaning, getting ready for guests. So that that was one of the first things that I did. Actually I had like for two minutes kept cleaning and I was like, What the fuck am I doing? And I called her I called my wife and I told her what happened and and she came straight home. And kind of since then, she's been my main support for anything, really. Yeah, she's she's there for me whenever. And I don't know what I'd be doing. I don't know where I'd be today if I didn't have her.
1: Yeah, she's amazing. You did good. Yeah. You did good.
0: <laughs> I, I, did, I did one thing right. And then I had a series of very awkward phone calls to make to all the other.
1: Yeah, who did you call? Because, like, you know... I don't know what everyone, who how word got out. So who who did you have to call?
0: I guess I, I called my parents because I didn't, uh, we both know my mother. We both know she would have found out one way. She would have scrounged it up. And I guess I just wanted to Either break one. the news. Yeah. Be, make it gentle. I don't know. From a familiar face instead of just on the news or like. From one of your friends calling her like, "Hey, can you make a casserole for Renee since Tanner just died, and like, she find out like that?"
1: And I'm glad you called her.
0: Yeah, so I called my parents. That was a really difficult call. They you know they had lost all the same family that I did over over the plague, and they were a lot closer to a lot of them. They, they also had a lot of friends and stuff who they had lost as well. So it was I know it was a difficult call and to make at the back end of a pandemic for a not COVID related death to have to still be calling family members was a surreal kind of feeling. And then I had to call everyone else who was attending that party and let them know that the party was off. Oh my gosh. Because yeah.
1: So when Portia got home and then, you know, the backstory you can, you know, tell us about, you know, you guys are planning the most wonderful day of your life. And it's been impacted by something tragic, and how difficult that was for you guys. Even though I know the day was beautiful, it was. Leading up to that, you struggled because Tanner was supposed to be a groomsman. Tanner was supposed to be in your wedding.
0: Yeah, the lead up to that was guy. that was a fucking nightmare. I, I, I'm not the best planner to begin with. I'm pretty, pretty big ADHD guy. I think my biggest presenter is the time blindness. Like no concept of time, making. Making plans is like the bane of my existence. My wife is the opposite. She she invented Planner. And and so we're we're planning a wedding. And yeah, Tanner Tanner dies, which is terrible. And it was that day, really, I, I became kind of estranged with my little brother, the one who was his same age, who I had also wanted to be in that wedding. I wanted to be the best man and groomsman in that wedding. And so it was kind of like a two-for-one. I we, We'd both been struggling the last year. And so I, I, I don't know either of us were really sure how to reach out to each other. And so it was, it was a lot of me and mostly my wife, like a good 80-20, 85-15 Porsche carrying the team because I couldn't really focus on it. At all. all, I could think about was like my dead friend and like the cruel indifference of the universe. Like, how could we just celebrate things and be happy and, and just act like it's all fine? Like, what are we doing here? We're all just little mice spinning around on our wheels, and like some of us just get picked off one by one, and the rest of us are just supposed to not care. It was it was a lot of dark dark thoughts like that. I think just because the wedding was so close to Tanner's death. And so it kind of felt like other people moved on a little quicker. It was also hard. It was a DIY wedding for those looking to get married, elope, end of story. It was a DIY wedding. And so we were a lot of crafting, a lot of, you know, doing the planning ourselves, a lot of stuff out of our pockets. You don't have a wedding planner. And a lot of the, a lot of the aesthetics and, and the art stuff was like her dad did a lot of landscaping for the setting. It was his backyard. And my parents did a lot of, of the wedding decorations. And so it was a lot of coordinating that had to be done between families about this wedding. And, you know, my like you said, Shelly's one of your best friends. Tanner's like a, a son to, to her, my mother. And so she, she was also, my parents were also going through this, like, terrible grief process. And so I, I felt guilty not... I don't know, I guess not being in the headspace I needed to be about this wedding. That was kind of the main motivator to continue with that. Because at that time, as I look back now, I look back more fondly, happiest day, you know, the day you can actually like share your love and and celebrate it with your friends and your family and stuff. But like at the time, I just really didn't want anything to do with it.
1: And I'm sure that, you know, for Portia, that was... Hard because first of all you're a pretty happy, easy going, sassy fella, and to see your your demeanor change so much right before the wedding was probably, well, obviously was very difficult for her. Scary for her. You feel helpless when you're trying to help someone, you know, navigate grief because she knew Tanner, but not a, you know not a lifelong friend as you. She knows C J, but from her perspective, I'm sure it was really scary. To watch you suffering.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like I am less that happy-go-lucky guy nowadays. I don't know, I felt like I've been like just rewired since that day. Not like, you know, dour individual, but definitely not as bubbly as I once was. And I, I felt nervous about that as well, because that is, it's a scary feeling. I felt like I didn't know, like I don't know who I am after that, because you have this one... Outlook on the world and the people in it, and you know what can and can happen in a day on a daily basis. And then you know it's two forty-five, and and now all of a sudden your worldview is shattered. We're reminded that we're just, as a uh, Landon's boy Aurelius puts it, we're just little carcasses being puppeted around by souls or whatever consciousness is. We're pretty fragile. We're just like like all of this, all your. Dreams and aspirations, all your little problems and everything could go away in an instant. And I guess that was just what was constantly sifting through my mind as I had to decide, you know, colors of flowers and what meats are going on tacos and what family members are going to care if they do and don't get invited and and shit like that.
1: Right, because it was like you of course want to be part of your wedding, and so those little details Obviously, are. Yeah, are just like overwhelming in a way because they matter of course but you're like I I can't even process anything right now so I know it was hard for you you know and I know that your personality has changed I've known you since you were 5 and I see the caution I see the sadness in your eyes and I know that this has impacted you a lot like everyone else but I think to you a higher degree cuz you know I think you know Tanner you know, outside of CJ, his brother, and Landon, you know, you are probably the closest, three closest to him.
0: I definitely knew him a very long time since he was a kid. Tanner Tanner had a lot of friends. I think Tanner was close with different people in a lot of ways. I think the name of the podcast fits very nicely because he is kind of a a missing piece, a missing vibe in a lot of people's niches. For Landon, you know, he could go talk talk shop about, the nature of thought and philosophy and and things and all that and you know he, he has a best friend from grade school manny you know he's like big gamer bros with he is he's, he's got his he had his lovely girlfriend keylet my little brothers he's friends with with child his children they play football they play baseball together and as we got older yeah i, I feel like my niche with tanner was kind of i'm a extreme night owl by nature and I was definitely that way in college. I was working a job and going to school. At one point, I was working two jobs and going to school. So my winding down hours for a stretch of time there, uh, like the beginning of the pandemic and kind of through that was like, I got home from work at like 10, 11, 30, eat and get ready and stuff. And, you know, my winding down hours where I'm like hanging out in a chat or playing some video games or something, or we're like one, two in the morning. <laughs> and... You know who's on at that time, but Tanner.
1: Yes, I realized later and li- later. You know, I'm like, why is he sleeping in? Like, is he sick? Well, no, because he's <laughs> like, like online with you apparently. You know, till three in the morning. But yeah, and I feel like you guys have kind of a dry wit about you, so you guys could, you know, you guys really bantered with some nonsense. You know.
0: Oh yeah, just riff on uh, everything. <laughs>
1: Yes, and I have a, um, I was going to tell you, I have a box of stickers that you gave. him.
0: <laughs> you... Oh, you found the box of stickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm like, oh, Sharon oh. might want oh. those.
0: <laughs> no, you can keep those. Those <laughs> anime. Are, those are for him. Yeah. So the anime girls. Yeah. <laughs> he would want you to put those put those on strangers' cars.
1: That's a good idea. Actually, <laughs> he would like that. That would be his vibe. He would pull stuff like that. So.
0: That's why I got those for him. He said he would put them on all his friend's stuff. That box is not as full as it was when, yeah, what you're saying is like half the box.
1: Oh, well, we're going to have to do something with those stickers. But I'm like, you know, I open it and then there's like a note from you and I'm like, of course, this is from Taryn. (laughs) It
0: was a Christmas gift.
1: Yes. It's a green box. So, yes. So I guess that will be our mission to start slapping these stickers everywhere.
0: Those tasteful anime girl stickers <laughs> yeah. I got in a bulk <laughs> package on Amazon.
1: I know. I was sitting there going, where where did Taryn get these? Because, you know, we need to have a discussion with him. But, no, it's funny. <laughs> so that was just an example of, like, stupid stuff. But you could also be serious with each other. And I don't know if you guys had the deep conversations that Landon and him had. But I feel like Tanner could talk to you. And you could talk to him if you needed something. I mean, I feel like you guys had each other's back, of course.
0: Yeah, we we could definitely talk. I mean, Noah, I don't know. Most people don't have talks as deep as people have with Landon.
1: No, they don't.
0: He's a deep thinker, which is nice. And he definitely brought that side of Tanner out. And I could I could for sure talk to Tanner about stuff. When we were together. I We would do more of what you had just talked about. We would have that kind of irreverent humor. <laughs> As we, you know, caught up, talked about our day or something, we would riff on it as we went, more or less. And all the all the while, we'd be playing whatever niche indie game Microsoft had put out, like four years ago, that Tanner would get into, like a month and a half before it got super popular. Because <laughs> he just always had he's his so edgy. On the <laughs> yeah, he's real. Do
1: you remember he was really
0: a uh, real timely young man
1: <laughs> when you guys were younger? And he introduced you to Rainbow, what was it? Rainbow Kitten Surprise, that video game. Do you remember that game?
0: Oh, Techno Kitten Adventure. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. Why did I say? Rem- yeah, Techno
0: <laughs> Techno Kitten Adventure. That game was like 2010 internet just piled into one little click game where you're the neon cat flying through. So annoying. The most 2000s internet world with the most obnoxious techno music. Your video. mom got so mad at
1: me or him. And for- that would be mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So I don't know why I went Rainbow Kitten. That's Tanner's favorite band. I digress. So, as, And then I think like CJ, you know, Tanner's brother, went off to school, you know, to KU. And then now he's in Florida. But I feel like when CJ left, you kind of did take the big brother, quote unquote, role for Tanner because he felt safe with you in a way. Like he knew, I don't know, he you were kind of the big brother now, if that makes sense. And that's a responsibility.
0: I, yeah, I feel like it was one shared with, with Landon. I know he definitely went to Landon for a lot of, like, deep talks and stuff, but we we lived a lot closer together than him and I and and Landon did. Landon lived further south, and he was off in, like, Kansas for college for a while as well. So I'd have Tanner over from time to time, and, yeah, it did feel like I'm a big brotherly.
1: Well, you know, he you're the brother that he could go to to say, hey, man, where do you get those anime stickers? You know, he'd come to you with all those, you know, worldly questions. Where can I get that? You know, whatever.
0: <laughs> I get the anime stickers. I, I do recall uh, he had to call me to get his car towed from the skate park.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that was the, fun.
0: The worst luck with cars I think I've ever seen.
1: He really Jesus. did. He's
0: only ever had clunkers.
1: That was a whole other issue with his mental health. But it, finally, he was able to kind of. Joke about it, but you know, I guess he turns some of his sadness into weird humor, I think sometimes, like you do you do the same thing,
0: definitely do that what else, What else can you do exactly, I guess we'll talk about that on this podcast, but
1: yeah, we have lots of topics to talk about, but back to like your wedding, you know you and Portia, how long were you guys together before you? Got engaged. Like you guys dated for what? Three years? Four years? And you probably. Now you're going to be in trouble. Because you don't know the exact date. And she's going to be like. What?
0: Three and a half years. Before we got engaged. And then. It was. uh, was Five then. Before we got married. Because we had started dating. Early 2017.
1: So she kind of jumps into the. You guys went to high school. Right?
0: Yeah. We had gone to high school together. But we didn't really hit it off until afterwards we were just kind of like classmates, friends, friends of friends. We would, I'd, I'd show her some sick memes in the hallway that I'm sure she appreciated my unsolicited dank memes, but
1: she's like my dream man.
0: Yeah. And she was, I, I guess just pining for me the whole time, apparently, because now we're married, but <laughs> yeah. So, so we've been together six years.
1: So you guys, you know, we're dating and then, you know, when you date someone, you start bringing them into your fan, you know, friend group and stuff. And, you know, she fit right in. You know, she kind of, I think she like just jumped right in on that. So she got to know Tanner too. But I really feel like her watching you go through this was, like I said before, kind of scary because she didn't never see this in you. And she's a strong woman because I would be terrified. You know, this is supposed to be our wedding and my fiance is in a trance and I don't know how to help him. That's the worst part of grief. I think sometimes is what could she have done to help you? Nothing. I guess just stand by your side. Is that what she did, or did she try to encourage you to, you know, talk? Or did she respect uh, you?
0: Above, above and beyond to try and help me do stuff. I, I, heard I had her and my dog. Both of them could sense when I was feeling really down. Or there was a point in the in the summer where I felt like I was kind of in my anger phase. Like every little thing just kind of felt like the straw that broke the camel's back, and I just get like so easily frustrated but she would do everything she could to do you know she's very research-based so you know there's a lot of tools and tricks and she had her own therapist that she had she'd spent time finding very proactive in solutions for feeling this way and kind of coming to terms with it she was she would always make sure that I was uh getting outside time and uh eating when we were together and things like that things that You know, when you're on autopilot like that, you just forget to do like I really kind of lost the zeal for living, doing anything. I was at a point where I really the things I did in a day were just like checking boxes to shut other people up. Right. So that I could go home, get high and go to sleep. I was like, okay, mom wants to know about this. The, you know, job wants this. Uh, Friends need this. The dog needs this, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like she was kind of The only thing that didn't feel like that in the lead
1: up felt safe. You looked forward to kind of being around her presence, even, I mean, to me, and this is just me guessing, she doesn't seem like the kind of person that would be like pushing you to talk, push, 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 push. She doesn't seem, I I feel like she gave you breathing room. Yeah, I I don't know. I
0: definitely got Yeah, she wasn't, like, super pushy to talk. We're we're both not, like, we've opened up to each other more in this last year, I think, than in the last, like, six. <laughs> uh, up to that point, like, neither of us were super, like, forthcoming with our feelings, I guess. We could talk about it with each other, I guess, from, like, a, a technical standpoint. Like, hey, I feel this way, and this is it. But, you know, she definitely saw a different side of me, side that I didn't really think that I had, that would just, like, break down in the middle of the day.
1: And I don't feel like, again, this is just me guessing, like she's was combative towards you. I know like with my grief, you know, sometimes I'm just a bitch and I try very hard to be not outwardly a bitch. But there's times when I'm just a bitch and the person I'm being a bitch to has two choices. They can be like, okay, (laughs) give Renee her space. She's struggling or come at me because I'm being a bitch, not looking at the big picture. And I'm not excusing that behavior. But there's times when, you know, just just back off, and some people will come at you, and other people will give you grace. So I don't know, like, you know, you said you're in an angry phase. Did she just give yours your space, or did you guys, you know, talk about it later, or did she ask you? How did she handle that?
0: Well, I would say she she handled it well. She was communicative. There, therein was where the wedding comes back into play. Yeah, let's go back. it's hard to do that because there is a timeline that we're on. We have to do a lot of shit and we have to do it ourselves because we didn't, you know, it's a DIY thing. We didn't get a planner. And so, you know, to the best of her ability to give me what space I I needed, I I have no idea what I needed. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and that, that put a strain on there because yeah, she, she also did kind of have to be, the pacemaker for this wedding, which was unfortunate shoes to kind of be forced on her. Right. Because I had just grown this like sense of apathy to it. I was just like, let's just God fuck. Just hand it over to my mother. Let's let her make just a tacky nightmare. And then I won't have to do anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Let her do it.
0: Yeah. But you know,
1: and then you have that conversation where as many people do, if there's a wedding or something, they, are missing someone and a lot of people try to think of ways to honor somebody but not focus on that missing person and you know some people do a picture or whatever and you know what you guys did was very thoughtful cuz i don't feel like it you know was anything taken away from your day you know like it wasn't like Tanner's gone oh there's a wedding it was a wedding and it was beautiful but there was a taste of just a teeny bit of Tanner with you guys with the the cufflinks that you made
0: Oh yeah, Portia got these awesome cufflinks for the groomsmen in purple. We had gotten a couple plastic purple flowers to like kind of very sparsely drizzle around, and in addition to our main wedding colors, and then we had a little extra, a mug with his name on it, sitting at the groomsmen table. It was, yeah, I mean we missed him, you know. If anybody there had their way, he would have he would have been there as well. But that's just it, isn't it?
1: Yeah. But it was nice. It was like as a mom, you know, I don't know. I didn't know those things, you know. So to see those subtle little things was really sweet because this was your day, you know, and, I, and it meant a lot to me knowing that you guys were, you know, there was a piece of Tanner with you. And I think it meant a lot to CJ, too, because, you know, the big the person that hasn't talked and, you know, we haven't really talked about is Tanner's brother. And so I think that was a really nice thing for you to do. For CJ, not that you did it for CJ, but it meant something to him, too, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's good. I mean, I I hope it meant something to to everyone who... It did. Who knew knew about
1: it. Yeah, exactly. Some people didn't even know, but the people that did could see it, and that was just really a nice touch, I guess. And so now you're married.
0: Now we're hitched.
1: Now you're hitched, and it's hard to believe that it's not even a year yet.
0: Yeah, it's not even a year. It's been like three months... I felt like I haven't really had the time to process any of it.
1: No, it seems like, like forever I'm supposed,
0: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm, you know, I, that time I'm supposed to have been focused on a wedding. But I wasn't actually focused on a wedding because I was so stressed out about, you know, feeling like I was supposed to be focused on a wedding and, you know, staying working and 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 all this other shit that I was actually just sort of doing on my escape is bullshit.
1: Man, you should have reached out to Landon then yeah sensei landon
0: sensei sensei land i don't think he was sensei landon at this point it was
1: like that's July true. last year right and landon was also in the wedding so you had i think everyone in the in your grooms all your groomsmen were friends with tanner too so it was really bittersweet because everyone was kind of sad too like you had a lot to take on and still make it beautiful and it was you guys had a beautiful wedding
0: It was, yeah, it was a very pretty day. It was pulled through. I mean, I'll say it mainly pushable through. But yeah, so you got there, you know, you get over the finish line and then like, what next? What happens next? I had tried a few things that I would easily get dejected from and sort of starting like the coping journey after that, which I felt like it was really put on hold until that was over. The wedding? Yeah. And we had, we had joked a little bit about that one therapist that I tried before the wedding in June. That was helpful. Yeah, that guy. So between, between my wedding was in June, Tanner died in March. I, I started seeing a guy. I think I saw him. He was only available once a month and I saw him twice. So it was, once, it was like at the end of April and like at the end of May, I was finally able to get appointments with this guy. And I was telling him about, you know, all the terrible things that had happened and after the first time, he was like, "Man, well, you know, all you can do is is uh, eat like eat a good breakfast." <laughs> it was like focus <laughs> on what you can control. Is what he said. And, you know, you control eating a good breakfast. I was like, "Okay."
1: <laughs> Thanks for your help. <laughs> Thank bud. you. Yeah,
0: he's like, he's like, just just eat whatever. Because I was having trouble eating. That's why I feel like I lost like twenty pounds, and I'm not a big guy. Yeah, you do. I'm did. like already, uh, you know, when you go to the doctor, I'm on like kind of the low end of the the healthy weight spectrum for a, a man of my height and age. And so to lose 20 pounds is not in the direction I want to be going.
1: But his advice was stellar. And I'm sure you jumped right on it.
0: Yeah, I definitely did not do that. <laughs> Everything becomes a chore. You know, the feeling it's like, what's the point? And, you know, I, I was at a point I was so low. It's like, well, why the fuck am I eating? What is the point? Are you literally just get hungry again? Anyway,
1: Right. And when you have a therapist like that, you're like, Well, I'm not gonna get another therapist. This is stupid.
0: Exactly. You're not yeah. gonna help I, me. Yeah, that was I had tried to stick that guy out. I was like, you know what, he's seventy two. Maybe he just needs to catch up on whatever book came out after fucking Sigmund Freud. And we can go from there. <laughs> so, you know, I gave him we waited a month. I had corresponded with him a little online. I filled out all the the forms and stuff. We come back you know, a month later, I'm like, hey, it's not better. It's actively getting worse. I went to my friend's viewing and we saw a dog on the side of the road. His name is Wally. And i he looked lost. And I was like, you know what? Tanner loved animals. Let's go try and rescue this dog.
1: I don't know the story.
0: You never heard the story of Wally?
1: No. So I guess you better tell me.
0: Oh, yeah. So we're on the way to Tanner's viewing. It was just a casual, awful Tuesday. Driving down Wadsworth, that nice, you know, giant seven-lane small highway in Colorado, uh, we see this very old-looking black lab wandering on the side of the street. We're like, Tanner loves animals. He He wants to rescue them. Let's rescue this dog. He looks lost. So I go over there. I'm trying to call him over. He's a little confused, you know, trying to beckon him. This other lady on the other side of the street is also calling him over. I'm like, is this your dog? She's like, no, I'm helping. Long story short, Wally gets confused and runs into the street, and I I watch him get murdered horribly by a the electrician's truck.
1: Oh my gosh, I did yeah, not he, know this.
0: Yeah, he, he died in Porsche's arms while I had to call the family <gasps> to know that their dog was just murdered. But I had to leave because I had to go to a friend's viewing.
1: Oh my gosh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, that was tough. I think you guys were having a you guys were having a bit of a week, so I didn't tell you
1: <laughs> yeah but at the same time it's like this one more you know i don't even know like one more thing like another death even an animal that's a whole that's just as hard as lose was. an animal or to see that
0: it was fucked up to see and then like you know continue driving to go to the viewing hi
1: and yeah, you have that image in your head
0: yeah and i just had like wally in my head the whole time i was there i was like this is cool
1: yeah, so no wonder you feel the way you do.
0: Yeah, so it had been it had been shit like that for basically the whole year, and you know, so I'm telling that therapist about it, and he's like, "Well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm like, uh, you know, it's, it's a couple of weeks to my wedding, I'm having a meltdown here. What can I do?" And he's like, "I just need you to white knuckle it to your wedding, bro." I was <laughs> like, "Okay, great." This is a paid Thank experience. <laughs> I pay you money for this, and I know yeah you know, this is my my extremely unprofessional not educated liberal arts major opinion you know therapy is not an exact science it's not gonna be your first go is like a one stop shop solution, which I felt like that was kind of my expectation this time last year, like okay well, I'm gonna go see a therapist and get this cleaned up so I can try and get this wedding going. <laughs> And it's not how it works at all. And while I did feel like that guy gave me some real shit advice, you know, for those who are seeking therapy and help, now that it is, it's kind of a grind. You might not be. You might not click with the first person, and even when you do click with someone, you might not notice a positive change at first.
1: Because it takes a little bit of work.
0: It takes a little bit of work, or so I'm told. I I've been on. You haven't got just, to that point yet. I really got to that point with a the therapist. Yeah, I've been on a rotation. My, you know, that was my, like, uh, my insured medical providers, like, assigned therapist. And so I was like, okay, I think we're done there. And so I had tried the BetterHelp one, like, the online therapy. My wife had found success on that one. She found someone she really liked. I thought I'd try that one. It was another fucking old guy. <laughs> kind of had the same shitty advice. So I was like, okay. But with that one, it's, like, it's an independent thing. So you pay, like, a membership. And you can sort of pick, you can rotate therapists if you want. So I was like, I'll try that out. And so I had gone through, I think it was like three, three therapists before I found one on BetterHelp who, I don't know, had something, you know, practical to say. i had asked Lan in the last one, like what he kind of valued in a therapist. And because a lot of people value different things. You had said that you really value being validated in your feelings and how that was helpful. I had one guy, one of the better help ones who did that, they just always be like, Yeah, that sucks. Yeah and you know, they were very encouraging and validating of my feelings I just it didn't feel it didn't feel like it helped a lot. I was just like, like yeah, I'm aware this is a shit time. I've been living it. <laughs> and now I just had to live it all again. So I could tell you, my fourth therapist, about it as we play catch up. I think I had some unrealistic expectations going into therapy last year, but I think I also learned a little more about what I like in a therapist. And that's like sort of, I kind of like to talk shop. I like the technical terms. I like, you know, someone with maybe like a structured solution.
1: Yeah. Like practical advice. Yeah. Like Like Landon, like homework and
0: yeah. Homework with, you know, stuff to do. And I like seeing tangible results. I think that might be, one of the one of the perks of the wiring of the fun ADHD brain is it's all it's all context based. Like it all needs to be very stimulus response. Right now, it's like if you're practicing something, you're not seeing the results right away. The connection between I'm doing this and the reward that you want to receive isn't really present. It's like you do this and you you know feel a sense of accomplishment or you earn something for it, and you know you're inclined to do it again or you don't. And you go, well, no point in this. Let's try something else. And I feel like that that ended up being kind of my approach was was kind of dip my toe here, dip my toe there, exercise, therapy, you know, online stuff, online chat support thing that, that fizzled out, you know, changes in diet, restructuring my schedule, things like that. And then when it doesn't work, I just get like disillusioned. Just go back to like, well, shit, I guess this is just the new me now.
1: Yeah, it's my sad, new normal.
0: It's my new normal. I'm just like the sad, angry guy. And like, I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to, you know, I don't like the look that I that people give me when I'm just like they could see on my face. Like, I'm just existentially sad or like extremely angry and like frustrated or something and so I would I would kind of bury that. I would just like nub myself. I'd just like smoke some weed and be like, you know, it's better. At least I'm not, you know, having a mental breakdown right now in my car. At right. At least I'm, you know, inclined to eat more than a cliff bar today.
1: Yeah. You don't need to lose any more weight. <laughs> Have you gained any weight back?
0: I did. I made I've made I've since made the weight back, which is good. I've been on a marginally better eating schedule and for a while there it was like yeah what's the point of eating you'll be hungry again eat a cliff bar a day throughout the work week and then binge like all your calories on the weekend it was not it's not a healthy way to be living for sure
1: so do you feel like you're moving in the right direction or do you feel like you know kind of like when we talked about this podcast that there is a lot well obviously there's a lot to talk about but What's your like mindset now, you know, we're over a year and lots of ha lots has happened for you, a wedding and death of a close friend. And how do you feel now or like hopeful or do you feel like I'm still kind of stagnant and I'm still trying to figure stuff out or
0: one year later, I, I definitely feel more hopeful than I did, you know, this time last year, this time last year, I didn't really see like, uh, I don't know. It was kind of like, I, I got really depressed over like COVID just because I yeah. hate being cooped up. And so, it you know, this start of this year, you know, February, early March of this year was kind of like the light at the end of that tunnel. And it felt like, like the door to the tunnel had just been like slammed shut. Like I just it was just sort of aimlessly wandering. I didn't even know where I was going. I didn't care. I was just going through the motions, checking whatever boxes I had to, to get people to Leave me alone. But now I feel headspace wise, I am in a better place. I have goals. I have a desire to kind of see other people engage with the world. I had a really negative headspace. And sometimes, oftentimes, to this day, I still get into that headspace of like feeling punished for trying. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that was one of the can't beginnings. catch a break. Yeah. You can't catch a break. And what's the point of doing it all anyway. Right. Like the struggle, the strife, no breaks. I feel like I'm going to get a break and then I'm going to get T-boned a day later. Like.
1: Yeah. It's like the fear.
0: Yeah. It was this. And I, it was a big fear, I guess, maybe not of, of death, but having not like lived to begin with. I, that was, I think the main thing that I struggled with, like, it was just this really grisly reminder of how finite time is. And, you know, even growing old is not a lot of time relative. Like, the human lifespan is it's pretty short. And it could be cut way shorter than it's intended to. And even, like I would said, with, you know, the, the family members with Dimension stuff I had seen, like, you could be gone long before you're dead, too. And so that clock is really ticking, especially because it skips generation. <laughs>
1: Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you can go down that very deep, dark hole, too. It's hard to stay out of that when you start, like, going down that hole of all those thoughts.
0: Yeah. So every day as I started to get out of autopilot, it kind of got worse as the year went on. Um, Just seeing that like this doesn't go away on its own. It doesn't get better. You could get better at living with it, but only if you try. And up to that point, I, honest up to now, I don't know if I've been trying very hard to make it like that. I've been trying to change myself in the hopes that it get better anyway, change, you know, things around me. But I think nowadays I have more of a, a plan of what the future is. I think with my with the time blindness, it could it could be hard to plan in the future to begin with. And you know, when you get in a headspace where you feel like you don't even have one at all, and there's just no point in even looking. You know, I think in spite of all that, I, I want to try. I think that's it. That's the only re- real <laughs> answer I have for it is like, in spite of that, I, I want to try to be different. I know I'll never go back to how I was, but I want to be better, a little better every every day.
1: Right. Because you won't be the same person you were.
0: Yeah. No, I won't be the same. None of us are. And I feel like in some, some ways, like in some, you know, in headspace, I'm better. My relationship with my dog, I'd say, is better. She really stressed me out this time last year. Felt like a furry toddler.
1: And she probably sensed what you were going through. Dogs are crazy. Animals sense that.
0: They can sense that. And she, yeah, now she's anxious, and she wanted to, you know, console me in my anxiety by, uh, you know, what makes her happy, which is playtime. But for me, a guy who's like, stressed out with existential dread to be pacing around your kitchen, thinking about that stuff. And then to just be kicked in the nuts by your 70 pound Husky and, uh, have it squeak a squeak toy in your face, like for 10 minutes. I think there was a little miscommunication there <laughs> between my dog and I for a time. Cause that's not stress relieving. She definitely she was taunting you. Me. Yeah. She was taunting me. She's like, "Suck it! Okay. I don't have sentience. I can't process this. <laughs> I bet you wish that were the case. <laughs>
1: Well, you've been, I mean, honestly, you've been through a lot this year. So give your, I think you need to give yourself some credit though, because even though it's been a shit show, you've really, you're still here. And that's some days, like Landon said, there's days it's like, what's the point? Why do I am not want, even want to be here? So you've, you've done good, even though you may not see it. When you're here, you're willing to talk to me about this. And I appreciate that a lot. Cause I feel like, you know, as we kind of tie things up, you feel a certain way and you had therapists that weren't very helpful, but sometimes you find comfort in people that have experienced what you're experiencing. You at least feel a little heard. I don't know. I don't know how that, how you feel about that.
0: I, I would say that that was kind of the main support system that I had found was in, you know, my wife and, and my friends, other people who had had, you know, they had the same loss. So the meme team, as we're calling you know Landon, uh, my other groomsmen, Lucas, CJ, Tanner's brother, you know, my friend, my friend Isaac. Yeah, so just kind of that that group of I had I had mentioned in your episode that the collective mental health of kids our age is like it's like a big nervous laughter. Like nobody really knows what to do with it, but we know something's wrong.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it.
0: So I guess it's a kind of like alone together sort of vibe, like in the same boat on the same island. And I guess that is sort of the human condition, kind of the human experience. We're all just here making it up as we go. What one of the things I had talked about with one of my therapists, one of the ones who I had who I had liked a little more on on the website, um, who we I had worked with her for a few months, and we had talked about like in intrinsic desire, sort of like when things seem so hopeless and you feel like you're just doing things to do them, kind of finding what's sort of the core motivators behind the things that you do, not just to make other people happy, but like for your own self-actualization. And I, I had asked, I have been asking myself that for a while. I think the answer is, I don't know if there is any kind of one desire, one intrinsic desire, one goal to, to keep For me, at least going forward, some people have it. They can find that one thing to latch on to and they can just use it to kind of drive them through anything. I don't know if you have that.
1: In a way, like like we talked about, it was getting through court and now I'm sitting here going, how am I going to honor Tanner the best way I can? Because I don't want to ever forget him. I don't want anyone to ever forget him. So I guess right now it's kind of just trying to figure that out. Uh, This podcast was something that I honestly had just kind of thought about, but I didn't really think it would happen. And because of you and your willingness to help me, that is, you know, great. And I think that this is a start for that because at least we can talk about it. It's kind of fun because we can kind of share stories of Tanner, but then we can also talk to people that have also had loss and how they handle it. And everyone has a story and people that have lost loved ones it's important for them to talk about it and and talk about these people that are no longer in their life so i want to be able to facilitate that and you know in tanner's memory because there's a lot of people hurting out there
0: there are yeah uh you know for a long time i at least and maybe a lot of people out there today feel like they're just doing it alone and you know they don't have to and to your point yeah it is how do you how do you honor that memory you, had you know the getting through court and kind of that fight for justice what justice could be offered for like a year and I, I had sort of struggled you know you'd say you don't want people to forget Tanner I didn't want to forget Tanner like me like what can I do how do I live my life every single day to kind of keep this person who was so close to me's memory alive like I don't want them to just fade to, you know, the bottom of my recent messages and then go away forever. I don't want them to just, you know, be that little username bubble in the corner in the screen that just says offline forever. You don't want them to just be like a picture on the wall. You want it something something alive to kind of honor their memory. I I had fixated on the idea of just kind of like just breaking out of the the nine to five of, of just the monotony of every everyday life. Like I just stopped seeing any value in it and just going off. Like I, I was literally at a point like I didn't, I didn't care if I was like a bum in a van. Like I just wanted to get out of here and just like see the world. I don't know why I felt that. I feel like post post death Tanner took on sort of, a wisdom that I think a nineteen-year-old didn't have in life. And it was it was based more off like temperament, I guess, and sort of you know his general outlook and approach to to life. Kind of that like uh, you know, watch SpongeBob, you know, like the Living Like Larry episode. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, they meet Larry the Lobster, and he's like the coolest guy ever. And they're like, "How do you get so cool?" And he's like, "You just live every day like it's your last."
1: Yeah, Tanner was coming into that thought process and just having fun just having fun even though he's mm-hmm.
0: yeah exactly and i know it's not it's not like a foolproof way to live and tanner himself you know he didn't have it all figured out like you mm-hmm. say, he had his own struggles he had his own problems and stuff but sort of post-mortem i don't know he felt like you know when i think about him and i think about like doing his memory honor or something and how i picture him today It'd be like how Benny the Jet pictured Babe Ruth walking out of his closet <laughs> in the sand. Right. Like, with, like, a montage. Exactly. Like, hey, Taryn, do reckless shit. Yeah, with up? <laughs> Make yourself feel alive. Yeah. Like, and I don't want to, right, you have to, I have to find a balance between not getting out of bed in the morning and, you know, wanting to go sign up for, like, X Games or some shit. Like,
1: Yeah, honoring the vibe, like you said, because, you know, the thing I learned about Tanner, the thing I learned from his passing was... All the people that have come out, like at the at the celebration of life, and told me truly what a good person he was, and funny, and all these things that he was that I didn't get to see when he was away from me, and to me that's the highest compliment I could have gotten as a mom, but as him for him, you know, no one find someone that can say something bad about Tanner. I can't, I don't think there is anyone, in the sense that he was just that kind of person. You know, that's what I want to be remembered as—a person that was fun and kind, and—and he was. And it's easy to say that about people that have passed away, but you know, if anything, his memory is—is one of goodness and kindness, and funny and thoughtful, and like you said, what can I learn from that and carry that forward? Oh, and smartass too. Let's add that.
0: I gotta make sure to keep up the smartass. for, yes, you gotta carry that vibe. Yeah, I gotta carry that torch for the legend. But it is, and and it's hard to know what to prioritize in terms of trying to live for yourself and for the living and trying to like live for the dead and what they you know, what you think they would have wanted for themselves and for you. And walk in a fine line of, you know, kind of carrying a torch and being a dumbass like, like Bella from the second Twilight movie where Edward ditches her and she just does reckless shit so She could feel closer to him
1: <laughs> Is that your vibe. Is that what you're going to do?
0: I, I, yeah, I'm going to ride the motorcycle and like jump into the waterfall <laughs> and everything's going to be a shitty grayscale color palette.
1: The start, right?
0: Yeah. Good start. But I felt like that's something that I feel like, like I've struggled with too. And I've kind of, I feel like I've, I've been reckless. I feel like I've been, I feel like I'm kind of in denial right now. Mm hmm. Like, yeah, I had gotten a job fundraising for the ASPCA. Also, kind of for Tanner's memory, like it was a little for me. Just to get out of my lame, I was, I was a uniform delivery guy last year. And that really compounded the <laughs> existential dread. Like, oh my God, I wake up at 4 a.m. every day and go deliver fucking pants. And on any one of these days could just be my last day ever. And I would have just spent it being a pants delivery guy and crying in my truck, and that would have been, and it was, that that was, like, the mindset every day, but I had gotten a new job to try and, you know, feel like I was making a difference and stuff. I was fundraising for the American Society, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, save some puppies, and that office, unfortunately, got shut down, the Denver one, so I had lost my job, I think it was four weeks ago <laughs> this week, and that sucks, you know, having a job, having an income, having... You know, I finally found a job I really liked and it just kind of got swept out from under me. And while, as I had said before, I do feel like I'm better in some places in my headspace. I, I just feel kind of numb to it. It's like a sort of apathy towards a lot of things now. When bad things happen, it's like, yeah, sounds about fucking right.
1: Exactly. And that's that's hard.
0: Yeah, it's like, huh, that's what you get for waking up today.
1: Yeah. What shit's going to come? What shit storm is heading this way?
0: Yeah. What, and
1: what then the minute storm. you don't have a shitstorm for maybe two days and you're feeling good, it just like, pew, again.
0: Yeah, that's when two shitstorms come at once.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's even more exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so it's definitely hard because life is is ups and downs. But when you're grieving and everything just has that kind of grayed out hue, and life's lost its zeal, then the ups just don't go as high, and the downs just go way lower. And you don't you don't notice the ups, you don't remember the ups. Even the downs you linger on for for days and months and and weeks. And then you just feel down. I guess that's why they call it feeling down. Until eventually you're just at a point where yeah, it's just like this little pit of apathy where just like yeah, great.
1: Here we go. Yeah, it's like you don't even react to it anymore. You expect it.
0: Yeah, you almost expect it. And so, I guess that's the point that I'm. I'm not sure where to go. From there, I've been talking to Landon a lot. He got me a journal.
1: He has you journaling.
0: He he got me one. He gave it to me last weekend. Ah. So well, I didn't. I don't know what to write in I've drawn like penises on the first page. I.
1: <laughs> you know, we could you know, a psychiatrist could go a lot of different ways with that. So you know.
0: Yeah, dude, that that old I know, man, I'm like... that first therapist I saw <laughs> would have had a field day <laughs> with that one. <laughs> <Would've had> a... <laughs> I should go like, back to Okay. Him. <laughs> yeah. Old Freudian ass, but yes, it's yeah. not uh, It's not hopeless, though. This podcast has been a very cathartic experience.
1: I like it, and I have to do, you know, we have to do a shout out for producer Portia.
0: Yeah, executive producer because, and editor Portia. Yeah,
1: because, like, we did it, and then we're like, eh, kind of like the same thing. We're like, okay, we did it, meh. And she's like, okay, well, I got this done, and I got this done, and I got this done. And we're like, we love you. Yeah, we'll
0: literally be you know, making the know, Because she's motivating. And then, like, end the conversation in the middle of the plans. Both of us forgetting to finish making the plans we were making. And we will be like, wait.
1: <laughs> go back, go back.
0: Go back, go back. It's, uh, let me write this down. So, yeah, she's been awesome It's sort of, like, yeah, keeping it on track and turning it from idea to airwaves that you listen to now. Truly.
1: So. And there's big, you know, she has big plans. Big shout-out to... I keep interrupting you, sorry. Big shout-out to your lovely wife.
0: Huge shout-out to my wife. God, you're hot. All
1: right, I don't really need to go down that road with you guys. So, <laughs> I that's probably my cue to get out of that's here. That's probably my
0: cue. Thank you so much for tuning in again. We'll be releasing more episodes, maybe more stories of people close to Tanner, how other people deal with their grief. Uh, you, know, you just heard three very different responses to the same event when I hope you don't feel as isolated and alone, because even though we all grieve differently, we don't have to do it by ourselves. So definitely hit us up in the comments section, hit us up on social media. If you you know, want to share your story or any the similar feelings that you've had, anything you think could help us or anything you would like help with and tune in next time. Anything else you want to say? Renee?
1: Nope. Thank you. Happy birthday to Tanner. And happy we miss birthday, you. We Tanner. love you
0: pouring and one and out. Is will,
1: Twenty-one. Yes, legally he is pouring one out, and we will not. We will do something positive with this.